This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And if you're on SoundCloud right now, everything's fine. You're like, oh, cool, I'm listening to the Primetime Podcast. If you're on YouTube, you can see us. Hey, guys, how's it going? And this is your first one, I believe. Your first video podcast of our new system. Yeah, popping the cherry. It's it's really exciting. You're able to to witness it with me. It's just really a fun process. Well, it's, as I've said on past podcasts, you never forget your first, Brandon. So this will be you certainly a very special right. podcast. He's but right. We got a jam-packed show for you guys. We're going to be talking about three different topics. I said college football fans at the beginning, but our first topic is actually in the world of college basketball. And we're going to be talking about the one and done rule, but is it hurting college players? And basically are teams in the NBA looking at international players over college players. We're going to dive into that discussion. Then we're going to look at just some X factors for the college football season coming into 2016 and then wrap the show up with it's my favorite segment of the offseason whenever we get to it. The biggest coaching hot seats coming into the 2016 season. But, Brandon, before we get into the college football, let's dive into the basketball. And the reason I bring this up, obviously the NBA draft happened last Thursday. But this week on the fast break, Sean, Dave, and myself looked at the one-and-done rule and was like, what needed to change? If you guys want to see that, it'll be down in the description, but the one thing that I think we can focus on is not what needs to change for the one and one or one and done, but is the one and done hurting college players? Like, are is the NBA punishing college players for going to college for one year? You know, I think in a way it definitely is, and I think that what you have to look at is okay. So the guys that that go to college and they only go for for a year. And then they're they're to the NFL. Basically, the entire Kentucky Wildcats. Yes, uh, most of them are. They're they're going to be okay. You know, they're going to be drafted at a pretty good spot in a pretty good round. Mm-hmm. Everything like that. Everything's going to be good. But then you look at, you know, some guys who are coming out of college early and looking to get drafted, and they're they're falling spots. They're not going where they think that where they should be going and why is that it's because someone from overseas is being scooped up mm-hmm. in front of them and you know i i think that that is what's hurting them i i think really the overseas players not having any rules really at all are i i think that's hurting you know the players here at home and in, in the states who are having to you know who are having to go to college there. Well, and I mean the thing that the whole person that I think about when I think of the question is the NBA punishing players for going to college is I kind of look at Deonta Davis where freshman at Michigan State obviously was on a pretty damn good team, but even as a freshman I mean you look at his stats and it's like 7.5 points per game almost two blocks per game, five rebounds per game, averaged about 18.6 minutes per night for Tom Izzo's Spartans. 
And he was a guy that all the mock drafts coming out beforehand had him going mainly to the Bulls at 14, like that mid-teens range. So he got it in his mind, that's where I'm going, that's where I'm going. Well, he falls out of the first round. He goes to the second round. At 13, a pick that did happen, the Kings went ahead and took an overseas player in Papa Giannis from Greece. And the thing I just think of is with the one-and-done rule, When if we're talking just for college, it really adds an ego to some of these players because if you ask me, well, Ricky, how do you feel about the one-and-done rule? I, I hate it, but I hate it for two reasons. I hate it for the one side of it allows players, like I'm going to say Deonta Davis, to come out way ahead of when he should. But then if you're saying, oh, well, Ricky, you just said on the fast break that the rule should be 20. Well, yeah, I hate that now that rule would have to penalize players. Like I'll even throw in like guys who came out straight out of high school, LeBron and Kobe, that rule, if I said, hey, we got to wait till 20, it would have punished them, and they wouldn't have been able to go to the association. However, the thing that I'm thinking about is hopefully that would help the college game get stronger because you'd have older guys going further into the tournament playing for their team. But to be honest, people could just do what Emmanuel Moutier did and said, fuck this, I'm going overseas. Yeah, one of the things that I like is being able to see someone like a Buddy Heald Mm-hmm. I was just going to I was going to bring him up. 4 years. Mm-hmm. 4 years and he needed every single one of well, those years. He was shooting because, with the wrong hand sophomore year. Yeah, well thanks for taking my point. Sorry. I I love the guy. I know everything the, the, about him. His sleeping habits is no, nah, I'm not going to get into it. No, cuz Ricky's <laughs> actually a stalker. That's no, why he's no, not going to get not into on it. That level but yet. but you said yet. You said yet. <laughs> it's a joke. That's it's bad. a joke. No, I'm kidding. But He's a prime example of what mm-hmm. staying in college does. It makes your it can it can help your game get better and improve. Mm-hmm. You still get good draft stock. You're still going to be good in in the NBA, in my opinion. But that's a college player that I think really got like he had the full package because he allowed himself the time mm-hmm. to garner that. You know. If he leaves after year three, not going to be good. Well, not going to be good. He he leaves after year four. He gets things figured out. His team is good. He helps to carry his team night in, night out. Yeah, that's good for him. Well, and that's, like I said, he is the perfect example of what I put into it. And it's like that's some of these players, I think, they get really hot that first year. They come out, and it's like, well, oh, crap. We're not able to go up against a LeBron James or these grown men who are sometimes 30. I even look at it this way. Look at Steph Curry. He was a kid that went to Davidson, stayed past his freshman year, if we're looking at just the one-and-done rule. But in the NBA, even him staying in – I. Oh, I heard it in some interview that they were talking about Steph Curry. The reason why he stayed an extra year in college was because he wanted to learn how to play the point guard position just a little bit better. But even look at him. He gets to the NBA as an upperclassman. He had to work his tail off, too. It was, what, eight oh, eight years until he finally made it to the NBA Finals? Like, it wasn't a, 
oh, just because I stayed in college for more than one year, I was instantly better coming out. There's still development, but I think that increasing the age of the one-and-done not only helps the NBA, but it helps college, too, and it helps the players of college develop better. I think so. I mean, that's exactly what I think, mm-hmm. and I think that it's, it's good for them. I think that it's it's good overall because that an NBA team is actually getting the complete player and they're not having to do as much development there in the NBA. Like you're wanting, a lot of times, you know, teams like Philly, you know, you kind of want someone who's ready. You know what I mean? You, you don't really have time to develop them. We don't have time. We suck already. We need you to be good now. And and I think at, it really it helps both sides. It helps the the player to be better. Mm-hmm. Because I think they, they, they are able to go through and it gives them the time to to develop and to work out the kinks and stuff like that. And then at the same time, it like I said, it helps the NBA team because they're getting a a not so raw talent. Most you know, there's things that you know, each each guy, even the best, you know, might be able to do differently and stuff like that. A lot of guys are raw talent coming out. But, you know, you stay a little bit longer in college, not as raw when you get out. Well, and do you think, here's a question I'm going to ask you. Let's say the one and done, you have to stay two. I'll throw Dave's example at you. You got to stay two years in college. Do you think if that's the case, more of these college kids that we see coming out, we won't see on their draft profile the words like, oh, they're raw offensively or raw defensively, that they would just eliminate that because they'd have that extra year to work on their game. Maybe Tool not some skills. Maybe not completely, but that's what I'm saying too is that you're going to probably see that dropped from a lot of people because mm-hmm. they're going to have the skills. Instead of saying raw offensively, it's going to say offensive threat. You know, you've just dropped the raw part because mm-hmm. of exactly what we're talking about and agreeing on. I think that that is probably the biggest point right now. That's what I think. Well, and one player I want to throw in, this is a player that this year got drafted as a senior coming out of college. And, I mean, the player's Denzel, Denzel Valentine. I keep wanting to Denzel call him Denzel Washington. Washington. Hell of a guy, even <sighs> better basketball player. You, you know, Brandon, it's not what you know. It's what you can prove. But Denzel Valentine is who I'm talking about, not Denzel Washington. Where He's a guy, four-year four year player. At Michigan State, as a freshman, was a guy that was averaging twenty, almost twenty-one minutes a game. Then he was averaging twenty-nine and then thirty-three his last two seasons as a starter. And we, if I just look at his points alone, went up from five a game to eight a game, fourteen and a half, then to nineteen point two. And that last season, the nineteen point two might have been into the twenties. If he wasn't injured for that time, I know the knee injury that me and you talked about right after it happened, we came out with the podcast, oh, can Michigan State stay undefeated? They lost that next game. Then we asked if Iowa could, and they lost the next game. We had a terrible streak of just cursing teams last year when we talked about them getting on a hot streak. But he's a guy that I look at and I go, what would he have done if he would have bought into the hype and said, you know what, I'm coming out. The Deontay, like... What Deonta Davis did is exactly what Denzel Valentine could have done. Yeah, you know what? I only averaged five a game, but I'm playing 20 a game, and I have, what, 2.4 assists, and I'm hitting my shot. He was only shooting 28%, so he probably wasn't coming out because that's a pretty bad uh, three. Oh, that's three-point percentage. He was hitting 
54% from two. So that's a little bit better. I was looking at the three-point percentage. 28% bad. That's really <laughs> bad. But he wasn't a three-point shooter as a freshman, and he increased that three-point percentage to 44 coming out now. But my point is he could have bought in the hype, but he didn't. He stayed at school, went four years. Am I saying he had to go four years? No. But look at that. He went four years, solid pick at 14 to a team, a pick that I was very happy about. And, I mean, the thing is, I think that's the thing, is do you have to stay four years? No, but you have to stay longer than a year. But let me and then let me stop you there. And, and I'm, I'm only stopping you because mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of make an example out of what you're saying. Okay, so, so, so many times. You and I have a job, mm-hmm. right, outside of this? Yes. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, we do. Believe it or not, we and do. And they're wondering how the hell did anyone give them a job. But that is so comparable to what we're talking about. This is a job. This I'm not, is a, per- this I'm not is, perfect at mine, and this I've is, only been there four months. This is this is a job now. You're talking college. Mm-hmm. It's still a job. Yeah. You may, you're bringing in a lot of money, however, it's you're not going player. to you. You're a basketball player. You are. This is your job. Mm-hmm. And most likely your full-time job. And it is a full-time job. You're an athlete on the big stage. How many times do we see young people be in a job for a year, less than a year, and say, you know what? I can go off to this next job. They want me. I'll make more money. I'll do this, blah, blah, blah. They get there, and they're in over their head. Mm-hmm. Same thing could be true of basketball players who go for short amount of time or don't go boom they're off cuz they're making more money they're getting the fame they're getting all these perks but then are you really being as good as you could be you might be really good mm-hmm. but are you as good as you possibly could be are you a star are you on your way to being a star are you only on your way to being a good player and i'm sure you could take this from any draft class but I'm taking this from the one that I was talking about Denzel, right? Yeah. From his freshman year, he would have came in the 2013 draft class. That's the draft he would have been in if he came out after year one. And if anyone who's like, Ricky, I can't remember what draft class that was. That was the Anthony Bennett draft class, the very weak one. And I look at it and I go, I'm going to read you some of the freshmen. You tell me. How, how you think they did in the NBA. I know you're more of a college guy, but we're going to play this little two-sided thing. Anthony Bennett was a freshman. Has he had a good NBA career thus far? No. no. How about Nerlens Noel with Philly? Yeah, he's thinking about getting traded. That's where he is right now. Ben McLemore has fallen off with the Kings. Another one in, I'm looking down at Steven Adams for the Thunder. Okay, you got one. Yeah. There's one. Another one. Yeah, however, Shab- he needs to find like a comb yeah. and a razor. Shabazz Muhammad. Now nah, I can give it to you, but he's a role player off the bench. Now I'm going to give you some guys in the top 20 that were upperclassmen. Victor Oladipo, pretty good player for for the Magic. Oh, just got traded to the best team. Well, second best team in the Western Conference. Then you also have an upperclassman. I'm saying juniors and seniors. C.J. McCollum. Oh, just one of the best guards and one of the best backcourts in the NBA when it comes to Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Then you also have Kelly Olynyk, who I know he's not a star, but he's been a pretty good player, especially when he's tearing out uh, Kevin Love's arm in the playoffs for the Boston Celtics. 
Then three guys that were internationals. The Greek Freak. He's done pretty good. Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, he's going to be the future in Atlanta, and that's why they just traded Jeff Teague. And then you also have Georges Diang, who's a pretty good five for the Timberwolves. So just using that draft class alone, because I looked at it because that's the draft class Denzel would have came out of with the one and one that right there shows you, I mean, of course that's just a snapshot. It's just one year and draft classes change. And you could say, well, Ricky, that was a weak draft class. That's why. Or is that a snapshot of, Hey, this is what more draft classes could be like. Cleveland would have been screwed if they didn't send Anthony Bennett off to Minnesota when they got LeBron. I, I don't. I don't really. I don't think you're wrong. You know, people could disagree, and they probably will. But probably they, they probably will because that's the beauty of having opinions. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a different one, and I. I. I think that you'll start to see the more and more guys who stay in college longer to play longer to get things figured out quicker mm-hmm. there than having to waste the time. And it's wasted time. Let's be honest. It's wasted time when you're in the NBA. You shouldn't be trying to figure things out for the most part. You should be ready to go. When you can figure things out and maybe while you're figuring things out, you could have a team that's good enough to make a run for a championship. And you could actually be killing two birds with one stone, winning a championship yeah. and figuring things out. Because more, more, more often than not, if 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 you are good and you are productive, mm-hmm. your team is going to be better and your team is going to be more productive. Okay, there's some players on really really bad teams, mm-hmm. but the players really really good. Guess what? You're probably going to get lucky enough to get traded one of these days for all these things and all these other players or picks in return. Mm-hmm. That's because you probably put in your time all throughout college. And the thing is, is that that's that's what college is there for. You know, you are learning. You're good, mm-hmm. but you're still learning. You're better in your game. So when it's time for the big, big stage, you're ready to go. That's what college coaches want. Well, and the last thing I'm going to, because we've been running for, at right now, we've been running for a while on this topic. The last thing I kind of want to look at and dissect is college compared to playing overseas and the international player. Do you think for college, if let's say there's a rule passed by the NBA that you got to stay two years or you got to stay till you're 20, does that help or hurt college or do more players say, I want to go get paid, so I'm going to go overseas instead of playing in college? If you have to stay till, if, you, if there's a rule that says yeah. that you have to Either stay you till have, you're 20. You have to stay two, you have to play two years somewhere, like two years out of high school. Or you have to, you can't come in until you're 20 years old. Do you think either of those rules would help or hurt college? Or are more players going to say, you know what, I'm just going to go make a living overseas? Well, honestly, it could help college because of the fact that you're going to get more people who are going to, and again, I'm looking from a marketing mm-hmm. side. You're going to get more people who are going to tune in for your games. If the, if the players are really good, you're going to make more money yeah. because well, of those players. And then these players become household names because exactly. you see them more than And they year. become a face of your organization. Well, And it's and it's perfect you bring that up because you look at March Madness. Why does March Madness, and I know that this also goes in for the smaller teams because of the media coverage on it, but why do you think we get so hyped up about players in March? Because we've had an entire season of subliminal advertising, 
of these names being thrown down our throats to where we're like, yeah, I know him. I know Buddy Heald. And, that, and then it's going to be name. Buddy Heald's Oklahoma Sooners mm-hmm. versus... Yeah, I'm trying. You know, trying to think of some, you know Pages. Georgia's Niangs, yeah. you know Iowa State Cyclones or something. Yeah, like that, you know? that's a better but, choice because it's Big Twelve, and I went out of conference. But that's the thing with me. You look at November, December, October, um, college basketball. Yeah, it could. Who gives a fuck? Because it's usually nobody versus nobody. But I mean, the the casual fan isn't drawn in because those names of the one and dones, mm-hmm. those names aren't developed yet. Like yeah. Ben Simmons, nobody was looking at Ben Simmons in November unless you were like a diehard either draft or college basketball fan. And I and I, I have to say something, and I know that people will probably, you know, kill me in, in the comments. <laughs> I am not impressed with Ben Simmons. And I am not impressed with him being taken number one in the draft. Hold on. I know this is for yep, a different yep, podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Go ahead. Go but ahead. I, but I think he is not going to be that good. He's never going to be a number one player. And he will. I won't say that he won't be a star. But he needs other people around him. He can't do it himself because he never could do it himself at LSU. And that is why LSU. I mean, no one can do it themselves and make it to a championship, mm-hmm. I don't think. But, you know, LSU was not that good. And... I just, I don't, I I know that if there's a lot of hype around Ben Simmons, yeah, be happy to have him, but also be looking for some other talent to come around him because Ben Simmons, if he wants to play, he will. If he doesn't, he won't. And I just, I don't think that he is the best one. I would have gone elsewhere. No, my thought with Ben Simmons is does he have some things to develop? Yes. The thing that I, and I love that you brought this up because I can say this on this podcast and I feel like this is the audience that I could speak to about it. The one thing that irks me about Ben Simmons is I get it. The NIT may be seen as a joke. Probably is a joke. It's a consolation prize. If you didn't make the big dance, it's a consolation prize. But the fact that you go and say, we're not going to play. Why did that happen? Let's be honest. His agent got in his ear and said, your brand is bigger than this tournament. You get injured, screws up your entire career. You're not playing. And that takes away. Now, you could say, well, Ricky, that's the team's decision. No, it's not. If Ben Simmons was saying, I'm not going to play, there's no way LSU goes plays without him because then they'd get embarrassed. But that takes away the opportunity from teammates where they're not going to the NBA and they wanted just maybe wanted just to play a little bit longer, have that camaraderie, play with this team a few more times before they have to hang it up. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I, I think that one of the things that you said there was his, you know, and we're not his sure. Brand. We're we're not sure. We're we're speculating. Of yeah. course, we don't know his agent. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. You might. No, I don't. I'm not that. I'm not that hit. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. That shows to me, if that's what happened, easily manipulated, immature, and that's that's not good. And you're you're now on a you're now on a professional basketball team. Mm-hmm. And for Ben Simmons, I think he's got a long way to go. And I'm looking at it like to me, I know there's only two of them because I had to look it up. Keith Hornsby, Josh Gray, they're the ones. Hey, maybe wanted to play a little bit because I'm seniors and. I'm going to be wrapping it, wrapping up this career soon. 
Well, they didn't get to play in the NIT. And the last the last point I wanted to make before you went on your Ben Simmons, it goes back to what you were saying about the media coverage and just the one thing I look at is earlier this this college season, who do you think is going to draw in a casual fan more for Duke? I'm looking at Duke particularly because they had a guy come back. Harry Giles or Jason Tatum or Grayson Allen? Who's going to be the guy whose name is going to draw casual fans in? Not these two oh, freshmen. It's, it's got to be the first two It's going to be yeah. Grayson it's Allen. It's absolutely Allen. It's absolutely Grayson Allen. And I mean, if you're sitting there going, but Ricky, I, I watch college basketball and I'm a huge fan or I'm a big draft junkie. Cool. Then you're going to watch because you, you're excited about Harry Giles or Jason Tatum. If you're big on the recruiting trail. But if you're a casual fan, you don't know these names yet. But you know Grayson Allen's name because you've seen him in the tournament. You've seen him trip a couple guys on the basketball court. You've heard people talk about that. He's a name that you at least know. You may know him for his dirty play or his actual play, but you know him and are going to be like, oh, yeah, Duke, they got that Grayson Allen kid, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what keeps people coming back. It's the household names. And those are the those are the guys that people want to stay for years mm-hmm. because once they're gone, sometimes it's hard finding the next guy. They'll find him, but sometimes it's hard. Well, and we're going to wrap this up. You guys let us know down below in the comment section what you guys think of the one and done rule. Could it if they change it, could it hurt college basketball? What do you think needs to be changed? Anything about the one-and-done rule, let us know down below. And, of course, anything we talked about. But we're going to move on into the world of college football for the rest of the podcast. I'm bringing that back, by the way. The world of college football. Dave used to always make fun of me. Always make fun of me for saying that. But the thing we're going to look at first, biggest X factors this season for 2016. Who you got? Well, my biggest one uh, my number one is is a pretty pretty obvious one, Nick Chubb from Georgia, and reason being is because we didn't get to see it as much of Nick Chubb as we should have last mm-hmm. year due to an a, a nasty a nasty ACL injury that shortcut his season short. But I I think that with him coming back, hopefully completely healthy, and then Georgia revamping the staff there. A new coaching staff, a new season, a fresh and hopefully rejuvenated Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is the X factor, I think, to look at, especially in the SEC. But possibly the the, the Power Five conferences, I really think that Nick Chubb is going to be something special, special to watch this year. I hope he is. But I definitely think he's an X factor, certainly for his team. Well, and I mean for Nick Chubb, not only coming back from the injury, but... The thing you got to think of, new head coach Kirby Smart coming in, and Kirby Smart's not an offensive coach. He's a defensive coach. So most people coming in are going to be like, oh, I want to see that defense out of Kirby Smart. What's this Georgia Bulldog defense going to look like under our defensive coach to where Nick Chubb's got to be able to do something and say, hey, I'm going to help this team because we all know what happened when Todd Gurley had a good season, Brandon? Where did he go? He went to the NFL, and now he is killing it, straight killing it for the Rams. So that that's another thing, because Kirby Smart, 
more of a defensive-minded people may be focusing on the defense. Absolutely. Ricky, who you got? Uh, see, okay, I'm trying to think. I'm going to throw a couple at you. Okay, I figured you, you would. You tell me what you think. I've, I've got another one for you, but fir- you, you throw a couple at me. The first one I'm thinking is, and of course, the when I think about this, it's like, okay, is an X, should it be an X factor of a guy that everyone knows his name? Or like that guy where it's like, oh, I don't know him, but he's, he's got to step up for his team. This is a guy where everybody knows his name. It's Baker Mayfield. And the reason who's that? And the reason being is your team goes to the college football playoff, and you get straight embarrassed yeah. by Clemson. He's got to be the X factor this season for the Sooners. He's got to be the reason that they get back to the playoff, and he's got to be the reason they go to the national national trophy. National as, trophy. As Phyllis from Mulga. Phyllis from Mulga. But I'm not saying they will go to the national cow turd. Yeah, cow turd. But uh, we need to just get that as a little <laughs> thing to play. Just every once a in a while, bite? little sound bite. Just cow turd. We'll call. Uh, we'll call Feinbaum. See if. Uh, see if we can get hit, get get that sound bite from him. He he won't mind. Yeah, I, I don't think he will. He he loves. We're us. tight. Yeah, we're tight. We're tight. Especially you with your SEC ties. But yeah, Mayfield's got to be the guy. Especially if Oklahoma's going to go anywhere this year. Yeah, he has to be. He's going to be the leader. He was last year. I think that they have a lot of faith in him. The players back him. The coaches back him. Baker Mayfield studies the guy. He'll be fine. I'm going to give you one more quarterback. I'll, okay. Joshua Dobbs, Tennessee. This was a Tennessee team. It's a big year for Tennessee. I remember, I remember this just very vividly. You were the one. Vivid, vividly. Vividly. This, you were the one. That, just ignore what I did there. I said the word vividly Don't worry, wrong, I did. I and did. I, and Don't I just, worry. Tried to make fun out of, of my myself. Mind. Out of my mind. But you did the preview for Tennessee last year. Yeah. And you talked about this Joshua Dobbs kid. And when I was listening to you do the preview back then, I went, who's Joshua Dobbs? Like, who? 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 And Tennessee, to me, didn't have the best of seasons. No. And Tennessee is due. They are due. For a good, they need it. They need a good season. I mean, last year, 9-4, and four, you could say, Ricky, that's a good season. To me, not the best. Not what I was expecting out of them. I was expecting maybe a double-digit win, win season. I mean, they did play a great game earlier in the year that went double overtime against Oklahoma. But yeah. Joshua Dobbs needs to be the guy. And both of my quarterbacks have the same thing in common. They have to be the BMOC and prove that I am going to will this team to victory. They're going to have, I'm calling it right now, going to have a hell of a game. Week 2, September 10th, same weekend as last year, this time on ABC, neutral site, against my Virginia Tech Hokies. Now, would you be spelling that, you say hell of a, would it be hell of a or hell of a? With, with an A, hell of a. So like H E L L U V A, not H E L L space. I mean, I'll just space. I'll just say H E L L A because okay. if it was Virginia, I'd throw the U V A in there. Get oh, because U V A is sure. their acronym. Sure, but. that was a great, great <laughs> pun there. It was a great pun. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a great game. I feel like that second week, especially because Virginia Tech coming in with a new coach. How are they going to do? But Joshua Dobbs, X factor for the Vols. All right, so I got another one coming at you. We Hit all me. know about Hit Josh. Me, big boy. We all know about Josh Rosen. We know how well he did 
in his first year, last year, UCLA mm-hmm. could do better. Plenty of room to improve, but I think he improves. However, some of his receivers from last year not returning. How about this guy, Ishmael Adams? I know, you don't Hit know. Me. Hit He's me. D- Hit me with some knowledge, Brandon. D-back turn receiver. They they converted him over to receiver in the spring because they led the Pac-12 mm-hmm. in uh, pass defense last year. They thought that they could afford to bring him over to the other side of the football and make a move like this. Jim Moore is really high on the kid, and this could be a speedster that Josh Rosen is going to this season. And he... Brought back an interception, 96 yards for a touchdown last season. This guy could be, could be the spark plug that UCLA needs to really get things going this year and really give Josh Rosen that go-to guy down the field. So, Ishmael Adams, you know, you're probably going, honestly, who in the heck is that? And... Before I had looked at it, so was I. But Josh Rosen, we know how good he could be, and this could be one of those moves that you know they're doing an E60 on later in the year. I'm going to give you a number for the, and this is kind of a Bruin defensive number across the board. You ready for my number? Yeah. 31. 31. That is the amount of points that is going to be given. Like, that's the key when it comes to points given up by that defense. Because if I if I look last year, if that defense gave up less than 31 points, 16 to Virginia, 3 to UNLV, 23 to BYU, 30 to Arizona, 24 Cal, 31 Colorado, 0 and 9 Oregon State, Utah, they win that game. If it's anything over than 31, 38 ASU, 56 Stanford, 31 uh, Washington State, 40 USC, they lose that game. At 31 is kind of like the over-under point because at 31, they were 1-1. One one. So under that, you win, over it, you lose. 31 or bust. Yeah, 31 or bust, 31 basically. Or bust. If they score 31, it's iffy, but if it's under that, you win, over that, you lose. That's what it was last year. Well, that's something that needs to get better, and I, I think that that's something that UCLA probably took a look at and tried to address, but I think that... You know, seasons are definitely up and down, Mm -hmm. and things could change dramatically in one year. And I was going to hit you with this, too. Their bowl game, they gave up 37 points to Nebraska. That was a loss. That was a loss for the Bruins. So, And and Rosen's going to need a defense to help him. He can't do it all on his own. You could say that again for Dobbs and Mayfield, but we saw what Josh Rosen can do last year. We saw it, and I mean, the game I remember is the one that me and you were, like, the one that me and you basically were the pick against. You picked UCLA, I picked BYU. I was all over the Cougar bandwagon yeah. last year. You were As you rolled crazy. your eyes at you me. You were crazy. As you rolled your eyes at me. I got one more for you. Okay. Royce Freeman. Oregon State. Not Oregon State. Oregon, Oregon. Ducks. And the reason why I say that is... Right at this point, are we sure who the Oregon quarterback is going to be? I mean, last year Vernon Adams wasn't that good. Now you, it's between two guys. You either have Travis Johnson or Johnson, Travis Johnson or Dakota or Pukop. or his cousin Johnson, <laughs> Johnson Johnson. It's basically one of those guys. 
it's right now it could be the transfer coming in in Dakota or it could be the true the redshirt freshman in Travis Johnson and because of that uncertainty you got to go to a guy that is the junior coming in the running back that you've had for a few years Royce Freeman has to go hey whoever the guy is I got your back dog I got your back we're going to win some games this year because last year was not Oregon Duck that was not Oregon Duck like like they completely fell off the radar after going to the national title game and losing to the Buckeyes. It wasn't the best season for them. It wasn't the best season for them. But I, think I mean, they, it wasn't terrible. I, I think they, but they, it they ended strong. Yeah. They had a very rough late, late beginning to middle of the season. Mm-hmm. It was rough for Oregon. They ended strong. But what they need to do is they really need to get off to a hot start this year. But Freeman, I think, definitely could help them to that start. Well, he's got to because the one thing is last year we were all talking Vernon Adams. Could he be the next Mariota brother? This year it's like we've got two. And you're, you're shaking your head doing like the no because uh, no, he wasn't. But the thing I look at this schedule, the big key is that there's no Michigan State on it. There's no Michigan State. And I mean – you get Virginia Week 2, you get Nebraska, those are your big out-of-conference. They could win those with some solid play. So focus on the Pac-12, then you'll be able to hopefully do well. But the quarterback play has got to be there. That's why I feel like they could lean on Royce Freeman a little bit this season. Do you have any more X-Factors? Those were, those were it. Those were it for me. So Okay, I want you guys down below, tell us. Tell us down below who you guys got this college football season as an X Factor, and we are going to move into the last topic of the show, college football-wise. And like I said at the beginning of the show, Brandon, this is my favorite thing to talk about as we come into a season. This year we're doing it before our previews. Last year we waited until after, but coaching hot seats, baby. Who's on the hot seat for the year coming into 2016? And just to get them out of the way, because I know he's going to be number one on yours, number one on mine, number one on you guys listening and watching at home. But Kevin Sumlin, he's the guy. He's number one on the hot seat. Just like to me last year when I said, and this is, I know this is only a year, but last year, who did I say was the one coach that needed to go? I know there was a little bias in it from being my favorite team, but I said Tim Beckman. He went. Well, guess what? This year I'm saying Kevin Sumlin needs to go. Let's see if I go two for two. You know, Kevin Sumlin, we've talked about it. And, yeah, he's he's definitely a guy who's who's on the hot seat just because of everything that we've talked about. But my my first guy, my first guy who I am putting on the hot seat, I'm not putting him there. It'd be his, <laughs> it'd be his AD. He's but already the, there. The, the, the guy who I see as being on the hot seat, and it, it, it could shock some people only because he's not been there long, Will Muschamp at hmm. South Carolina. And it's because he needs to win now. At Florida, he went 28-21 and 21 in four years. He was 17-15 and 15 against the SEC. That's not good. That's not good. And I think it's... How many games does Muschamp need to win at South Carolina to get off the hot seat? Like, how many games is mm-hmm. it? 
And you know, I, I honestly, I, I think, I think for me, um, gosh, uh, seven, seven. That that's pretty solid for so South if Carolina. Win, if he wins seven games, you'll be happy. Like, are we talking? Let's say he wins all of his non-conference games, which I'll have to double check really quick if that's four or three. Let's say it's four. If he wins four of those, but then only wins three SEC games, is he still hot seat savable? Yes. Yes, because if he wins of those three, of the scenario you said, well, of those, hold on. I'm changing it. Okay. It's flip-flopped. Three, he would need three non-conference wins because they only have three non-conference games. If he went three non-conference wins, 3-0 and there, but then only won four SEC games. Yeah, I think they'd be impressed. I think they'd be impressed with four so SEC you have, games. You have to win four conference games, and they've got Mississippi State on the road. They've got Cle- – Ricky's an idiot. Ricky's an idiot. Clemson is a, is not in the SEC. They're so good, I thought they were. So back to the original because Ricky's stupid. Four non-conference games, but they'll probably win three because Clemson's a loss. So then they would have to win four conference games. Ricky's an idiot. Let's just put it there. So they okay, do yeah. have four. They Rick, do Rick, have four. Ricky's an idiot. They yeah. do have four, but Clemson's an automatic loss. Can we agree with that? Especially at Clemson oh, oh, last week. Duh. Last week of the season. Duh. Senior Absolutely. night for Clemson. Senior night for uh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's a loss for South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, th- I just think, I, I think really Will, Will Muschamp, it's huge for him. Huge. <laughs> it's huge. Huge. For him to do well because in this year because they get him from Florida and I really think that they expected more. Mm-hmm. I really think that they expected more. And you have to expect more when you're playing in the SEC and against that well, conference. It's and this, just you have to expect more. Well, and it's a murky situation, too, because you run yourselves into being like the Cleveland Browns in the NFL of basically chutting a guy, firing him after their first year in case you're too young to get the reference. But... I'm going to I'm going to basically take your SEC guy and raise you another SEC guy. Mark Stoops. This is a guy that in 3 years with Kentucky when he came in, oh, younger brother of Bob Stoops, he's going to be a good guy for us to bring in. And he's only one he's basically has a ratio of two losses for every one win and he's 4 and 20 in the SEC. And I know what you're saying, but Ricky's at Kentucky, their basketball school. Still, two and ten, five and seven, five and seven, and then zero and eight, two and six, two and six does not preach improvement within three years. And this one's the one that counts because when he came in, basically his recruits coming in that first class that was just his. Now they're going to be juniors going into seniors next year. You know, I, I think the thing is that so many 
what you said, mm-hmm. oh, you know, this is a basketball school, blah, blah, blah. They don't want to be just a basketball school. No, they That's want the, the problem. team to be They don't want to be just yeah. a basketball school. And so many people look at that, ah, you're just b- mm-hmm. basketball. No, no, wrong attitude <laughs> no. to have. That is why they need to win now because he, he Stoops is on the hot seat mm-hmm. for the fact that I, I think that it's it's – it's been kind of a let go, you know that 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 uh, that sport has kind of gone by the wayside because of the school that they are, because of Kentucky mm-hmm. basketball school, blah blah blah, all this stuff about all the players. Go- and now all of a sudden, it's getting realized that oh crap, our football team sucks. Well, and gotta I mean- get better. But but see, that's not necessarily his fault. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the school's fault, but. There's He's got to be the one to change it. There's one thing I do want to say, and this is just for last season. Last season, if you're already typing it, I'm going to say it right now, but this team, this Kentucky team under Mark Stoops, started out good last year. They were 4-1, and their only loss being the 14-9 to loss against Florida. They beat number 25 Missouri at home, which was like, whoa, how the hell... Did that happen? Wasn't the final score seven to six? Twenty-one thirteen. Which one was seven to six? I'm trying to think of what game that was. There, that was a game with Missouri, I think. Yeah, I'm not looking. That had to be before because I'm looking at the schedule right now that, and they don't have any seven to six games. No, that, However, was, that must have been somebody else. After they went four and one, one and six, and lost five straight right after that. Yeah. They lost Auburn, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Georgia, Vanderbilt, all losses. Beat Charlotte, lost to Louisville. So that four and one start you had really just went down the shitter. Yeah, that'll be something that sticks in your craw for yeah. for quite some time. And I mean, am I expecting Kentucky to do bad this season? Not necessarily, but this is a season where it's like, okay, okay, Mark, shit or get off the pot. Are you going to be good? Or are you going to be bad? This season is going to prove it. And if you don't have a, I'm going to say he's he has to in order to save his job. I'm looking at a Tim Beckman-like situation at Illinois. That year that Illinois went 6-6 six and six and then went to the heart of Dallas Bowl and got creamed by uh, Lou Holtz's son and um, Louisiana Tech, that's what Kentucky needs. They need at least a 6-6 six and six season. I don't care how you get there. You need six wins to save your job. And the other guy that I have on the hot seat... Again, I don't have him there. He's just there. But you're and thinking I'm that he's a shedding the light can't. on it. <laughs> Les Miles. A guy that people would Les be Miles. like, let's put him in the dark. He's and a great head coach. Les Miles is on the hot seat because most people thought he was gone last year. Mm-hmm. And Les Miles, you, you will say how, and I will say how. How can I be putting a guy on the hot seat at nine and three, five and three in the SEC, I'll give you one reason. If for nothing else, I'll give you one reason. You can't beat Bama. The fucking end. You can't beat Alabama. And if you don't beat, I'm calling. If you don't beat Alabama this year, you are fired. You are fired. Could we say the same thing for Gus this year? Just for this year, if he doesn't beat Bama, could he be gone? Not as big for Malzahn. Because the— Not as big. Yet, they have a bigger game, I feel like, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, the well, Iron Bowl and, and stuff like and that. And the only, the only reason I asked that— it's a bigger that, game for Les Miles. The only reason I asked that, and I know you have this up on your computer, too, but 
CoachesHotSeat.com has Malzahn as the number three coach and Les Miles as the number seven coach. That's why I throw that no, out there. No, no. I mean, it's a good point. And, and you know, I, I think that the, the fact that they have a, for Auburn and for Bama, they have a game that's named, mm-hmm. you know, the named Bowl. after them. You know, those two teams. How can you say that that's not bigger than, well, I just don't think so. I think it's bigger for Les Miles. I think it's bigger for Les Miles because of 2011-2012. Mm-hmm. That's why. That is why. And, and I think that anyone who disagrees, understandable, but if Les Miles does not beat Alabama this year, it, it doesn't even matter if they come within three points. I don't think he sticks around if they can't beat Alabama because if he can't beat Alabama, he shows that you cannot beat the best and hang with the best in the SEC. We need the best. We want the best, and you're not it, and you're out. Okay. I'm going to ask you before I go on to my next one. How many more do you have? That's it. Okay. I've got one more that I want to talk about in a little bit of length, and then I've just got two that I want to throw out there and talk about in a little bit of length. Well, then I'll say I've got one more just because I I don't really have length to talk about them, but another one that I'm interested in maybe one of yours too. So here's the one that I'm going to throw out there that's kind of like my second to your less miles. Mike Riley, head coach in Nebraska. And you may be saying, but Ricky only had a year in Nebraska. What do you expect him to do? Six and seven last year, three and five. If we look at the schedule, I mean, you look at some of their losses at Miami, at Illinois, Wisconsin, Northwestern, at Purdue, Iowa. Six and seven's not bad. You went to a bowl game and beat UCLA. However, I'm looking at You lost to Purdue. They suck. You lost to Northwestern. They sucked two years ago, so that could have been a shocker to some Big Ten people. Then you lost to Illinois by a point, 14-13. to I mean, I was happier than a pig in slop, but it was one of those (laughs) things where it was like, huh? Wait, we beat North, like, usually I'm used to the days of, like, Amir Abdullah running all over my team and losing. We, we, we Wait, we beat Nebraska? You, those three losses can't happen. It like He can have a 6-7 and seven season and save his year. The thing is, you have to beat the teams you're expected to beat, especially if you're going into your second year. That was a first year for Mike Riley. So to me, that's why it's like, yeah, okay, you were 90-80, and 80, or 93-80 and 80 with the Oregon State Beavers. You were 58 and 63 in the Pac 10 slash Pac 12. But if you're losing to Illinois and Purdue consistently, we got a problem and you got to get out the door, my friend. No, I, I I agree with you. And I think that it's it's all about I think it's all about the losses. It's all about the losses. Yep. In this case, certainly about the losses. Not good. I mean, at least you at least he ended the season on a high note and beat Jim Mora and Josh Rosen in their bowl game. But before I throw out my two that I just want to throw out there for you guys at home, who's yours? Who's yours throw out there for the masses to kind of discuss in the comment section? Well, for the masses, um, uh, I'm going to throw out Todd Graham. I'm going to throw okay. out Todd okay. Graham from Arizona State. He's, he's um, on the on the lower end. Like I don't think his job's... Like really on the line, mm-hmm. but he starts out eight and five in his first year. 
then I think he's 10 and 3 in his second year, 10 and 4 in his third year, and last year he goes 6 and 7. If we look at a 6 and 7 type season or right floating right around there again this year in the Pac-12, no. Mm-mm. Just not going to happen. Especially after having mm-hmm. those two seasons in the middle where you go have 10 wins. Not and, and you win and you win the South Division. Not going to happen. And he had a quarterback if, to work with with Berkovici. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I, I, I put I put Graham out there only because if we see another six and seven season or something like that, mm-hmm. things aren't going to go well for him. Okay, I've got two, and one of them I kind of feel sorry for because he's the coach of the Jayhawks. But number one is David Beatty. I know it was your first year last year, but fucking zero and twelve. I know it's like I know it's Kansas. I know Kansas is bad. But you can't even beat South Dakota State week one. You lost to an FCS school. The one type of school. The one type of school that most leagues are saying, I can't play them. Can't play them. As Brian Kelly would say, another bye week. You you lost the bye week. That's the best way to put it. The other one and this one (laughs) might. I'm expecting this one to either hit fans in either one way or another. And I'm hoping to start something with this. And I hope I get his last name right. Cliff Kingsbury with Texas Tech. Yay went eight and five, four and five in his first year with the Red Raiders. Yay was seven and six last year. But over three years, you're a perfect five hundred and you're ten and seventeen in the Big Twelve. When are you going to turn the corner and say, you know what? This Texas Tech team under me is going to compete with the big dogs in the Big Twelve. Or are you just going to say, yeah, I'm the guy that uh, recruits your son and the mom's hit on me? That's who I am. Because I look like Ryan Gosling. He looks like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I can see a little bit of a similarity. <laughs> but the thing is, you're in the you're in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Your offense has to score points. If you can't score points, if you play defense, you're screwed because you're in the wrong, you're really in the wrong, uh, mm-hmm. you know, conference because the Big 12 could care less about yep. a defense. But... You've got to be able to score, and going ten and seventeen in the Big Twelve, uh-uh. no. it's not going to do it. So, and the big he's thing, got he's got to, he's got to turn that offense around this year. He's got to turn it on. And the big thing for this year that I think needs to be taken into consideration when it comes to Texas Tech is if Baylor comes out this year and doesn't play too well because of everything that we've been talking about with Baylor being in the news of late. You got to be able to pounce on that. You got to be able to say, "Hey, let's win some games now. Let's turn that corner because this team's on the decline." It, you can't pull the argument of, "Oh, well, we're not there because there's no room for us up there." There might be some room at the top of the Big Twelve this year that you can sneak into the bottom of that top. We'll see. We'll we'll see how it shakes out. Big Twelve is going to be interesting this year, I think, because. Of mm-hmm. just, I think it's gonna be interesting only because of you see a team like like you know Oklahoma. They have kind of solidified themselves now yeah. as the top dog. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State was really trying hard last year. How do they come back this year? All those types of things, and who's gonna be the new dog and the pit bull out of that conference? It's gonna be fun to watch. Well, I asked you this last week, and you hit me with an absolute gem. So I'm gonna ask you again this week. 
Anything we missed? Anything you feel we need to add before we uh, wrap up this podcast? Nothing we missed, I don't think. But no thing, Jennifer Aniston news this week. No, but a thing okay. to add was I thought when you when you you started off one of the last sentences that you you said when you're talking about Kingsbury, hey, and I thought you were gonna go, huh, huh. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. That's what I thought you were gonna do. War two. Yeah, that's a good song. I just wanted to, you know, especially when uh, you know Jackie Chan is uh, (laughs) is doing it. Oh, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. There's your pop culture uh, reference of the week from uh, Brandon Swanson. But that is going to do it. For the Primetime Podcast this week, let us know down below in the comment section, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on SoundCloud, what you think of anything we talked about today. Go ahead, hit that like and subscribe button on the YouTube repost and heart on SoundCloud. Go ahead, follow us on Twitter. Brandon is at Young underscore Swan. I am at Ricky Widmer. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Go check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. It's for you guys who want to support us a little bit extra than hitting that like and subscribe button. And if you give us at least a dollar, you get an exclusive podcast. Brandon was on the one that's going to come out at the end of this week when we hit July. So be sure you get a hold of that one. I want to thank you guys for either watching on YouTube, listening on SoundCloud, making us a part of your day. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.